Um, I'm thankful for the what Jude wrote in terms of watching out for the signs of false teachers. Sometimes it's almost a little difficult to tell a false teacher these days. They really try to hide uh, their heresies, um, but they always end up working them in to, to whatever they're teaching. And they also have personality traits that we can um, look at uh, according to, to Jude and be able to tell, be able to judge rightly. And uh, they're, it's very helpful what he wrote. But let's just start with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you today and we ask that you bless our time together in studying your word. We thank you for your word. Thank you that we can continue to study it freely uh, because we don't know how much time we have left. Pray for those in different parts of the world who don't have that freedom, that you would protect them and guide them and help them. Um, Lord, we just pray that you be with us today and that you would bless this teaching from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're in, uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're in Jude verses 16 through 19. I'll start out by reading verse 16. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Ho! Oh, I guess he nailed that one on the head, didn't he? First of all, we find out that they are grumblers. You know, false teachers grumble against anyone who do not want to join with them. We've seen this over and over again, especially during the time of Brownsville, etc. But now it continues with Bethel and other churches. They call, you know, people who don't want to join with them all kinds of names, intimidating anyone who disagrees. But, you know, that's pretty much all they know how to do is grumble. <laughs> they don't actually know how to argue from the facts or from the Bible. We've seen that over and over again. I know Jacob and I and others have repeatedly challenged some of these guys to a debate. But uh, sometimes they even agree. But then all of a sudden, at the last minute, they back out. Oh, sorry, can't make it. It's because they're scared. They know they can't stand up to biblical scrutiny. They've got to have their followers around them telling them how wonderful they are. And of course, when you try to help them come back to the truth, they accuse and persecute you. You know, they even, back in the day, they even cursed people like Benny Hinn, uh, cursed everybody who disagreed with them, and John Kilpatrick and Paul Crouch and many others have done that in the past, and I have those quotes on my site. You know, those who grumble against the saints are actually, they're grumbling against the Lord because we are his children. And it's the same thing with Israel, remember? They were grumbling against Moses, but God said, you're grumbling against me. It's a dangerous place to be. 1 Corinthians 10.10 10 says, and do not grumble as some of them did, 
and were killed by this destroying angel. God didn't put up with that at all. You know, those who argue for the truth, biblical truth, and stand up for what's right are not grumblers. They are discerning people who want to help others to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments. Oh, you know, we argue? Yes, we do. We are to fight for the truth. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's a good balance there in that verse. We do have to argue for the truth, but we also have to be careful that we have the mind of Christ in doing so. In other words, we are trying to redeem the person, not shove them further away. Now, it's our natural instinct. You know, somebody calls me the devil or whatever, which I've been called many times, <laughs> believe it or not. It's, it's kind of a, a natural reaction to, to, to just basically spout off and say, you're crazy, man, you know, and just call them names and stuff. But that's not actually helping the person. And I learned a long time ago, I'm still working on this, but if somebody is cursing at me and all kinds of things, I try to come back at them and give them good articles to read, DVDs to watch, give them the scripture they need to have, and, you know, try to actually help them without yelling back at them. And that's actually work sometimes. I'm not saying it always does. Some people are not interested in listening at all. But grumblers are, are those who don't live in the truth. So they grumble against anyone else. And it's, that's a mark of a false teacher. Another mark which is kind of related to that is they are fault finders. When false teachers can't defend what they're teaching from the Bible, they resort to finding fault with people. They can't find fault with the arguments against them, so they attack the person who is trying to admonish them. You know, if you can't kill the message, then kill the messenger. It's an old saying, but it's very true. They try to kill the messenger. Steve Hill, who started the uh, whole Brownsville thing, called all Christians who disagreed with what was going on in Brownsville, Assemblies uh, of God, fault finders and devils. He's calling us fault finders and devils. It was unreal. He wrote, he wrote a book to that effect. And then uh, Michael Brown followed it up with his own book that said the same thing. You know, fault finders can't argue with sound doctrine, and they choose to ignore the truth when it's pointed out to them. It's a lot like a lot of these millennials today. They don't want to hear the truth. They, they want to be willingly ignorant of the truth. True believers argue from the facts and from the word of God. That's what we do. We're able to stand up for what we believe. Later, this kind of fault-finding fault inevitably turns to persecution, lawsuits, jail, and finally murder. It has in the past, and it will in the future. 
just talk to some of these guys from different places like Vietnam, etc. You know, and they're killed for the faith. You know, Cain tried to lay the blame off on someone else, didn't he? And what happened? It ended up in murder. True believers have been persecuted and killed by the millions through the ages for simply for standing in the truth. But if we are followers of Christ, we cannot do anything else but take up our cross and follow Christ to death, death to self, crucifying our old man to death. We are crucified with Christ in the spiritual sense, but we may also have to follow him to physical death for the truth. We don't know what's coming, but we need to steal ourselves and be ready for anything. Be ready for anything that the Lord wants us to endure. Because guess what? <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, people are circling the drain today on their downward spiral, but we're circling on the drain in an upward spiral. <laughs> we got heaven to look forward to, folks. And that's a far greater reward than anything in this world. Well, the verse goes on to say they follow their own evil desires. Those caught up in this new signs and wonders third wave movement are more concerned with how they feel than how God feels about what they're doing. <laughs> oh, I felt it. It was so great. Oh, really? You know, they're more focused on themselves than on other people. Meanwhile, they run after God, what God has told them not to run after, which is not, namely signs and wonders, miracles, experiences, feelings, and new revelation. We are not to run after that stuff as Christians. We are to <laughs> run after Christ, keep our eyes on Jesus and his word. Instead of following the promptings of the Holy Spirit within to get away from false teaching and practice, they ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit and follow their old man in the flesh and soul. They mistake solical uh, feelings for spiritual things. And uh, they've been taught to do that. It's unfortunate, but... I feel bad for people like that because they, they're never going to actually ever really experience true signs and wonders from the Lord. I, I feel so fortunate because I grew up as a missionary kid. And when you're on the missionary field in a pagan place, the Lord does miraculous things. I could tell you stories that you probably wouldn't even believe. Things that the Lord did, miraculous things that he did. And um, I know the difference between a godly sign and wonder, a divine sign and wonder, and a <laughs> lying sign and wonder, which is what the Bible terms them. It's lying because they're falsely attributed to God when they're not. Well, they keep on following the old man. And when you do that, you end up wandering from the faith. Many false teachers today have wandered from the faith. Why? Well, mainly for the love of money. Just take a look. 
These guys are building themselves huge mansions down in California of all places. You know, it's crazy. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Well, you can pierce yourself with a host of griefs if your direction in life becomes money. It, it can really ruin a person, spiritually, etc. Ultimately, the love of money, fame, power, experiences can lead people to a shipwrecked and destroyed faith. Oh, really? We can shipwreck and destroy our faith or have it shipwrecked or destroyed? There are people who can't teach that. They don't believe it. But they better read their Bible. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19 says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. I've met people whose faith has been shipwrecked, especially out of the Word of Faith movement but the new apostolic, etc. They just, their faith is, is done. And they have a hard time believing in the Lord anymore. It's horrible what these people do. And I'm telling you, their judgment is coming. Well, what do they do? The verse goes on to say they boast about themselves. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> we see this continually on the TV, on TVN, 700 Club, etc. Self-anointed, self-proclaimed prophets and apostles make all kinds of boasts. They say, we have the anointing and can give it to you. They say, we are greater than the original apostles. They say, we could have died for your sins because we're anointed too. Uh-oh. Boy, they're in trouble. They constantly talk about themselves, tell stories about themselves, say they're hearing directly from God in visions and dreams, make healing claims they cannot back up with the facts. Uh, I probably have told this before, but I was in a, in a conference in, in Guam, and uh, everything was going really well, but they had this guy, a Pentecostal guy, come up and speak, and he was doing fine until he stopped in the middle of his of his message, and he said, wait a second, uh, something's coming in. God, God's telling me something. I'm like, what? Are you on some kind of radio frequency we don't know about? Give me a break. Something's coming in all right, but it's not from God. It's either from you, according to Jeremiah, your imagination, or it could be from demonic sources as well. Dangerous stuff. You know, whenever you see people who boast and do religious things in public so that people will think they're holy, you are seeing false religion. Mark, uh, uh, Jesus warned us about this. Mark 12, 38 through 40. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces 
and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor and banquets. They devour wood, widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Now, if we translate that over to modern society, where are they walking around, you know, making a big uh, spectacle of themselves? On TV, in your house, if you're watching it. This is why I tell people, turn off what's called Christian TV today. Most of it's garbage. And these guys are show-offs. They walk around like they're some kind of a, well, this is appropriate for me, but there's some kind of rooster, you know, crowing on stage. <laughs> you know, look at me. They want to be the big shots. You know, if they're on TBN, they're singing golden chairs with a golden piano. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But what are they doing meanwhile? Same thing they did back then. They devour widows' houses. These guys will take everything you own if you give it to them. I know people who have. I know people who have actually mortgaged their house to give them money. And then they come and they complain to me. Oh, I don't, I don't have any money. Well, I used to get a lot of letters. I don't get as many today. I used to get a lot of letters actually addressed to Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland <laughs> with money in them. And I would uh, take it, take the check or even cash and send it back to them and say, lucky you, <laughs> you're fortunate you sent this to me because now at least you have this back. Otherwise, you would get nothing. These guys will strip you of everything. They have no conscience. And then, of course, you'll see them, you know, they've got this huge mound of letters. And they're going, we're going to pray over these letters. And, you know, we're going to give the anointing, whatever they're doing. You know, mumbo jumbo. And, uh, <laughs> but what they've done is, and they've got video proof of this, They've got the people who are helping them. They rip the letter open with a letter opener, take the check out, and throw the <laughs> throw the envelope on the pile. Oh, but we're going to pray for all these people. Really? Is that how you do it? That is just a show. That's a show of lengthy prayers. Oh, Lord. You know. What happens to those people? They're going to be punished severely. The Lord doesn't put up for, with that for long. Maybe we think it's long in our view of, of time and space, but not in God's reality. They're already judged. Anyone who's seen TBN TV shows from the Vatican can see the flowing robes, the important seats, and the lavish decorations. The marketplace of today is the TV. In order to adorn ourselves themselves this way, they devour widows' houses, just like they did in Jesus' day. So many people who watch TVN have sent their money to these swindlers and end up with nothing in return except the hope 
that they'll be able to pay off all their bills. Because God's going to bless you 10, you know, 30, 100 fold. Hmm. I have many emails from people who ended up completely broke supporting people like Benny Hinn and other false teachers. They make a big, big show of their prayers. They pretend to know what's wrong with people watching the TV. And then they make a big show out of praying for some ailment they defined by word of knowledge. I always love this. You know, you watch C, uh, uh, 700 Club and they're like, wait, the Lord's telling me that somebody out there has a headache. And I'm like, okay, out of the millions of people watching this show, probably a very high percentage of them have a headache. Wow. What a great word of knowledge. And then some idiot will write him a letter. Oh, when you were praying for me, I had a headache and it got better. Oh, wow. And so they share that with the audience. But did they ever check out to make sure it, was actually, it actually happened? No, they don't. They never substantiated. Folks, that is not the criteria for a divine, biblical healing. Everything was substantiated. The, the ailment that people knew, which, by the way, wasn't a headache. It was something serious. And everybody in town knew what it was. And then the person got healed instantly, and they continued to be healed. They didn't, oh, wait, wait a minute, I, I'm not healed anymore. That happens all the time with these false healers. You know then that it's a lying sign and wonder. Well, you know, it's uh, pretty bad what they do and the way they raise money. I think I've told you this story before, but I'll quickly go through it. We had a a pastor from one of our island churches. Uh, he was a head pastor, and some people took a bunch of the pastors to go see Benny Hinn. And this was in Hawaii some years ago. And, of course, at that time, he was asking every person in the audience to give $20. So, you know, these people are poor, but they coughed up $20. They got home, and they had, of course, filled out little uh, cards when they were at the meeting. And they got home, and in a couple of days, they got a letter from Benny Hinn asking for more money. So this guy, he gave more money. And he did that a couple of times. And then at the end of the month, of course, he didn't think ahead. He, uh, wait a minute, I can't pay my rent. <laughs> and uh, he told this to our Bible our Bible study. I was so glad he did. I mean, it took some guts for him to, set, to admit to it. He said, well, then I wrote Benny Hinn a letter, and I I said, you know, I've been giving you money, but I need money really bad, and I'm, I'm a pastor out here ministering in Micronesia, and I need your help. Could you please help? Let me see. Let me give you a little quiz. <laughs> What do you think happened? <laughs> yes, you're right. First of all, he got zero help. But second of all, and more importantly, he got taken off the mailing list. What, y'all? 
Uh, I thought that was a really good lesson for the people in our Bible study. Don't give money to these people. They're not going to help you. He's a multi-millionaire, probably a billionaire, and he can't, you know, he's got an island pastor asking him for like, you know, $500 or something. I mean, wouldn't you give him the money if he was legit? That's awful. Well, we go on in the verse and it says they flatter others for their own advantage. <laughs> One of the biggest trips, tricks of false teachers is to flatter people. And today it's especially done through quote unquote prophecy. They lay hands on people and prophesy something over them that makes them sound important, like God's calling you to be a prophet or an apostle. And it puffs people up. Unfortunately, it brings out the uh, pride of life. This is what they do. I've told you I had a man prophesy over me and said that I was going to raise the dead in Micronesia. Now, of course, God can raise the dead, but what purpose would it serve for him to tell me this advance? in advance? I decided none, except that it would make me puff, puffed up. I'm going along thinking, ooh, I'm really something. God is going to use me in an extra special way. This is what they do to people. That's typical false prophecy. Beware of it and rebuke those who practice it. Another way they flatter is to get together in unity with anyone, regardless of what they believe. Today, the Catholics, Oneness Pentecostals who don't believe in the Trinity, Third Waivers, and others all join together to flatter one another. They have banquets. Ooh. They have banquets so everybody can go, you know what? I don't agree with that person, but he was a nice guy. So I can't really say, I shouldn't be saying anything against him, you know. They do that on purpose. They know that's what's going to happen. A friend of mine in the apologetics uh, ministry, we went to a meeting uh, of globalists out in Hawaii. And it was at a a United Church of Christ church, but they had Muslims, they had Mormons, they had unity, they had Shinto people there, all together having a buffet lunch. Oh, and it was so nice. We found out how nice those people really are. They were all together. You know what? We realize, you know what, this is the spirit of Antichrist. They're all very excited about this, and they're on the same page. But it's not the page of Jesus Christ. There's already a move in the third wave to try to build bridges with Muslims on the basis that we supposedly all worship the same God. We're worshiping the same gods. One God is a supreme being. Uh, if you look at your Bible, you find out that God was against the supreme beings of the nations. He expressly said, I'm going to judge Amon of, e of Egypt, or Amen, however you say his name, uh, etc. He, he never liked, likened himself to Baal or these other supreme beings. 
Just because it's a supreme being doesn't make it God. Allah is not YHWH in any shape or form. First of all, he doesn't have a son. And that's one of the most important items because there's no way to have a relationship with the father unless you become a son. You can only come to him through the son. No one comes to the father except through me, Jesus Christ. That's why Muslims are dead in their sins, folks. They need Jesus Christ. We need to, I just wish more missionaries were had enough guts to go over there because you do have to have some real guts to go over there and uh, evangelize because you'll probably be killed for it. We need to be praying for those who are over there. Well, let's move on to verses 17 through 19. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere nat natural instincts and do not have the, the spirit. Wow, some powerful words there. Let's parse through this to see what we can learn of false teachers. First of all, they're scoffers. You know what? I've never seen so many false teachers poking fun at Christians, churches, and missions as I do today. They're, they also scoff at the truth, at the word of God, by the way they treat it. And some even openly. Oh, the Bible, that's an old dusty thing. We don't need that. Or you know, the Old Testament, don't teach from the Old Testament. That's done away with. Wow. That's what the liberals say. They teach ideas that are not supported in the Bible. They, You'll find that they have a very low view of Scripture. They're saying it's dusty old love letters. And that we need to hear directly from God today out of the air. <laughs> Ooh. So I guess if you're not hearing God out of the air, then there's something wrong with you, spiritually. But you know what? The Bible is alive and active and sharp. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That doesn't sound like a dead book to me. It's alive. And it's the only thing that can cut through the garbage, I'll tell you right now. Uh, you've probably seen this video. I've seen, uh, I have a video of a man called John Scotland speaking at the Toronto Blessing Church in Toronto, Canada who is basically clucking like a chicken while attempting to read the Bible. And, of course, uh, the audience is laughing. Oh, they think it's just hilarious. I found it to be quite demonic, if you ask me. Uh, and, of course, the head pastor there, John Arnott, 
just sat there and laughed along with everybody else. He thought it was hilarious. This guy says, I'm drunk all the time now. And he's making fun of being drunk on stage. It's because they've misinterpreted scripture and they think that at Pentecost, that uh, when the Holy Spirit was first given out, that the man, that everybody was drunk. But the Bible is actually quite clear that Peter said they're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why they're speaking to you in your own language. It's proof of the pudding. Well, uh, they follow ungodly desires. We've already listed some of the demonic and or fleshly manifestations in the third wave revivals. False teachers are in love with the flesh and the soul. They elevate soul power and fleshly experiences above the word of God and the gospel. That's what's most important to them. They live like kings while their followers give them more and more money. They have desire for power and fame and make sure to demonstrate that love every time they get on stage. It's just obvious. Why would Christians who have any kind of discernment follow these people? It's just, it's amazing to me. They get, they get fooled. They also, this is an important one, they create division. False teachers are the ones who cause division rather than unity in the body of Christ. They come into town. Oh, you got to get all the churches together because God's really moving. And we're going we're gonna to show you some signs and wonders over here. And things are going on. They end up dividing the churches. They did that all through Micronesia. They did it here, even at the church that I'm going to now. They lost half of their people when Brownsville came into town. Half of the people walked out of the church. But, of course, they walked out to what? Oh, yeah, they went to some of these uh, meetings, but then there's nobody there to follow up. And so most of them eventually meekly came back and apologized to the church and came back in. Well, they are the one, the, the divisive ones. You know what? We already have the unity of the spirit as believers. But we're also said to strive for the unity of the faith. That means unity in the teachings of the apostles, unity in doctrine. Ephesians 4, 12 through 15 says this, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Guess what? Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. False teachers take 
people away from their unity in the faith and replace it with ecumenical unity based on friendship rather than the truth. We are to be unified with fellow believers on the basis of unity in the faith, not on the basis of unity for unity's sake. Beware of that. Then, of course, they have the gall to say that those who oppose them are the divisive ones. Oh, we're the divisive ones. Oh, I get it now. Uh, sorry. I didn't depart from doctrine. I'm still in standing in sound doctrine. What about you? You departed, man. I told a friend of mine that. You departed sound doctrine. And you're accusing me of not being in unity? What a farce. So who left the truth? Those who leave the truth leave the unity of the faith. I watched as Brownsville people cause division in the church of Yap, in the churches at Guam. They took Christians out to follow them from good churches, and they're still doing that in Guam, Saipan, Palau, Chuk, Punpei, Kushrai, and the Marshalls. I mentioned these places because that's where I was ministering for 26 years. But they were doing it all over the place. In every small town. I mean, my dad was a pastor in the pastorate in Indiana for 11 years before we went out to the mission field. Most of those churches today have been infiltrated by the new apostolic, and they're messed up. Talk to somebody from Indiana or Illinois or Iowa, and you'll find out. Those Midwestern states have been decimated by the false teachers. So beware of those who say they're for unity, but they're really promote, but they're not really promoting unity of the faith. Because that's what we are promoting, unity of the faith. The next one is they follow natural instincts. Natural instincts. Those who search for experiences, who follow their feelings instead of the Bible, are likened unto animals. It's natural instinct. Animals don't have a huge amount of brain power, but they have enough to have instinct to help them survive. God put that there. False teachers are those who follow them, uh, and those who follow them have bought into New Age ideas, you know, like Star Wars, you know, Luke, trust your feelings. <laughs> trust the force. It's all about the force. Did you know God used the force to create the world? That's what Paul Yonggi Cho said. And all these false teachers all followed him like a bunch of lemmings, you know. <laughs> well, they rely on visions. Talking to the dead, which is necromancy, unproven testimonies, and manifestations outside of the Bible for their truths. I was talking about Paul Hogan the other day who went around churches initially and said that he had raised 200 people from the dead in South America. Well, somebody told me, no, it's 600 now. Oh, 600. Gee, I don't see, any, I don't see one story in the papers about that. It's just an outright lie. 
Well, you know, why do they have all these things that they do? Because they aren't really following the Holy Spirit, but have given into their own flesh and soul demonic influences. I've seen, I'm seeing this in Bethel and some of the newer churches that are following the same stuff. And it's so dangerous. You know, you've got the wife of Bill Johnson laying on the grave of C.S. Lewis so she can suck up the anointing out of the grave. Well, that's what Benny Hinn was doing. He was going to Amy Semple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman's grave to suck up the anointing. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> that is not biblical at all. Not even close. But people are, you know, enamored with that. And so then they teach all these kids at Bethel. They go out on these grave-soaking or grave-sucking <laughs> expeditions. This is why entitled, and by the way, if you want to watch it, the whole series is online called, uh, after they put out a series called Holy Ghost uh, Reborn, and I call it Holy Ghost Ignored, because they're ignoring the Holy Spirit. I'm sure the Spirit's trying to tell them, hey, what you're doing is not right, but they don't have any problem with that. What is Jude's conclusion? All of those things equal no spirit. No Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why they're doing that stuff. Notice that Jude ends by saying those he's describing do not have the Holy Spirit. Well, why is that? Well, first of all, no fruit or fruits equals no Holy Spirit. John 15, 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it might be more fruitful. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And finally, 15.8, this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If they don't bear fruit, and I'm talking about true, true conversions of people and true fruit of the Spirit, then they're not. They're not true believers, and they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not born again. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not born again. By the way, if you have somebody come up and talk to you and say, you know, you can be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit, tell them that's bunk. There's only one way to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to be a child of Christ, and that's to have the Holy Spirit come into your life and create a new spirit within you. That's what's called being born again. Well, also, no truth equals no spirit. 1 John 2.4, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, 
is a liar and the truth is not in him. Of a lot of liars out there, folks. John 4.24, God is spirit and his followers must worship in spirit and in truth. People love that verse. Oh, we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Uh, I don't think you're doing either, but certainly not in truth. That's the part you ignored. 1 John 4, 6 says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now, there's a spirit of error as well. Spirit of falsehood. And finally, no love equals no spirit. Galatians 5, 18 through 25. If you're led by the spirit, you are uh, not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Remember, I talked to you about drunkenness. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. You know what? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's how we are to live. We are to demonstrate the love of Christ for people by uh, how we live, how we treat them, and especially by the fact that we share the gospel with them if they're unbelievers. And we pray for them. Hey, guess what? We even pray for these false teachers. We ask the Lord, please have mercy on them and save them. Because they're obviously not saved. They're under the Spirit. This is what I like about Jude. He's very, very clear. They don't have the Spirit. They major on saying, oh, we have the spirit. We have the true, you know, gospel or whatever. <laughs> they don't. They're doing everything against what the Bible says true believers would be doing. 